Welcome to the Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Daniel Willett. Awesome. Let's give them a hand. That is so awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Thank you so much for doing that. Appreciate that. Oh, good morning. Going to be a great day. Oh, did you guys enjoy Tom Crandall last week? How many were here for Tom last week? Yeah, I have not met him in person, but we talked on the phone a couple times now, and he, we've been texting him back and forth, and he just said that he just loved being here. I'm wearing his shirt today, One Hope for America. So what does it say in the back? Oh, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so happy to have Tom here last week. I really, uh, Joy I really wish that we could have been here last week. Um, we were doing, uh, officiating a wedding in Utah, and it was an awesome time, but I was really torn because I really wanted to be here, uh, especially when Tom was here and I wanted to meet him. And, uh, but I'm so glad that he got to come, and uh, I believe he's going to be back. All right. I wanted to mention, too, I just wanted to say congratulations to Tia, my daughter, and my future son-in-law, Igel. I just wanted to say congrats. <laughs> got engaged. And uh, yeah, we are so excited for what God's doing in their life. All right, I have a few uh, funny things that uh, I want to uh, drop, drop down on you this morning. And uh, so yeah, so let's just ha ha ha. Let's just get them warmed up. Let's rev it up. He 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 Ha ha. <laughs> yep, rev them up. Okay. A friend, a friend of mine named his dog Five Miles so that he could tell people that he walked five miles. But today, he ran over five miles. Poor five, that's, that's not the reaction I was expecting. Poor five miles. <laughs> I'm like, oh, he ran over five miles. By the way, there's a bird that uh, committed suicide this morning on the way when we're driving here. It's like right in front of my car. And I was like, okay, he wanted to die. He just committed suicide. <laughs> I couldn't do anything. Joy was like, well, you could have like slowed down. I was like, I did. He, anyway, okay, anyway. A man, <laughs> a man joined a gym and said to the trainer, what machines, what machines should I use to impress beautiful girls? The man said, try the ATM outside. <laughs> okay, this next one. Oh, oh, I'm safe. Joy's in children's right now. Okay, so this is not about my wife. Uh, if your wife says she'll be ready in five minutes, she will be. No need to remind her every 15 minutes about it. <laughs> okay, don't tell her I said that. Okay, this one made me laugh, and I'm not, I'm not even sure if it's funny, but for some reason it hit my funny bone. I just deleted, I just deleted all the German names off of my pre-owned iPhone. It's Hans Free now. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> couple sides. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We just thank you, Father, for your goodness. God, we thank you for your presence in this house. We thank you for your goodness. God, we thank you for your anointing. 
God, we thank you for uh, family relationships. God, I just believe that you're taking family relationships higher today. God, I believe that you're taking us as a church family higher, that you're connecting us in deeper and deeper ways, God. We just thank you for your love over us, your goodness. We just thank you that you are always faithful. We just thank for, thank, so thankful for your presence today in worship, that you just always show up, that you always visit us, and it's your joy to do so. I just pray that you touch each heart this morning as this word goes forth. God, I pray that strongholds are breaking. I pray that the truth is coming in like a flood and setting us free in Jesus' name. Amen. So I believe that there's upgrades today for relationships, specifically for relationships and for family relationships today. So I want to talk to you about relationships. And we're going to do something special at the end of service. Um, we're going to pray a special blessing. Um, some of our church leaders, we're going to pray a special blessing over us as a church family. And we're also going to pray a special blessing over individual families uh, as well. So we're going to do that at the end of the service. So there's a unique blessing inside of each person around you for you personally. So just take a second just to look around. So everybody that you see, there's a unique blessing inside of that person specifically for you. And you also carry a unique blessing that no one else can offer for each person here. And the key to unlocking the blessings inside of one another is honor. Honor is so powerful. I've talked a lot about honor in the past. I've done preached whole messages about honor. The key to unlocking the blessings in one another is honor. The Bible says, honor your father and your mother so that your days will be long on the earth. So when you honor your mother and your father, there's a reward. The reward is long life. But every time you honor, that's just one example. Every time you honor, there's a reward and there's a blessing for honor. And it's a huge key of unlocking the blessings that we carry inside of our, ourselves for one another is honoring one another. I have a good friend, and he told me a story once. He said that um, his relationship with his dad was, was not the greatest. He said it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't the greatest. And um, he was just praying, like, Lord, what, what can I do? And he felt like the Lord put it on, our heart, on his heart to just radically honor his dad. And so he's like, okay, that's it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with this. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to radically honor my dad. And he's like, I just tried to think of every way I could to just honor him, to show him, you know, my, how much I love him, how much I value him, how much I respect him. And he said it just transformed their relationship. And he's like, all it was is I just decided to honor him radically. So honor is super powerful. And when we honor those around us, we draw out the unique blessing that they carry inside of them. By the way, this is not, we don't just honor other Christians. Amen? The Bible says honor all people. Who does that leave out? Honor all people. 
I love Daniel in the Bible, and Daniel is a great example of this. He honored an ungodly king, and he received both an earthly blessing from the king, and he received a blessing from God just from showing honor towards this earthly king. So how many know that we can honor someone without agreeing with everything that they believe? Amen? Okay, I'm going to say something This might be hard for you. Just prepare your heart. We need to honor our president. I didn't say we have to agree with him, but we need to honor him. He's included in all people, and there's always a reward and a blessing in honoring. Daniel honored an ungodly king, and it actually brought the ungodly king to the Lord. At the end of Nebuchadnezzar's life, he turned his heart toward the Lord. And I believe largely because of Daniel, probably solely because of Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So we can honor people without agreeing with them. Notice that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they honored the king, but they didn't eat his food. Amen? We can honor the king without eating from his table. So there's always a blessing, there's always a reward from honoring others, and when we honor people, it draws out the unique giftings and blessings that they have inside of them. Each person around you has something special inside of them, and when we honor them, it draws it out. And when people honor us, it draws it out of us. Okay, I want to read Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to read a few verses Verses 11 through 16. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. I'll give you a second if you have a Bible and you want to follow along. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Start in verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So that is the purpose that's called, we call that the fivefold ministry. That's the five offices of pastors, prophets, evangelists, teachers, apostles. And the reason that we have those is so that the body of Christ may be built up. Verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Sign me up for that. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So what struck me in that passage, uh, in that last verse when I read it this week, is it's really interesting that it says we're joined together by every supporting ligament. So some people have a, a unique anointing to be a ligament. 
I'm thinking of a whole bunch of names in, in this church. You're, you are the glue. Let me give you an example. You ever have a friend group, and when one of the friends doesn't show up, it's like it's a different dynamic. It's like a, almost like an uncomfortable dynamic. But when that one friend is there, it just like glues everything together. Why? They're a ligament. What does a ligament do? It connects two parts together. So you need to even recognize your own ability if God has made you that glue, that ligament, because you're super important in the body of Christ because you help join other parts together. So some people are the glue. And verse 16 says, from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So we need to value each piece, and honor draws out the blessing and gifting in each person. So I want to talk for a minute about healthy church community. What does a healthy church community look like? Well, Acts chapter 2 has this really great scripture. It's Acts 2.42. And it says this, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So let me give you the context for this scripture. This is right after, like, the Holy Spirit hits. This is in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit hits, radical things are happening. This is like the craziest revival maybe ever. Thousands of people are coming to Christ daily. Miracles are happening like crazy. The church is just exploding, growing like crazy. It's revival. It's, it's the first revival. And maybe it's still like one of the greatest revivals ever. And so birth, how many want revival? That's what we want in our city. That's what we want for our nation. We want revival. So the fruit of revival was this. They devoted themselves to teaching, fellowshipping, breaking of bread, and prayer. So I think that the church in general has been really great at emphasizing half of this list. We've emphasized, and rightfully so, teaching and prayer. But do you realize that the other half of those four things is relational? You got teaching, you got prayer. The other two things are relational, fellowshipping and breaking of bread. So what that tells me is just as there's a great benefit in devoting ourselves to teaching and prayer, there's also an equal blessing found in devoting ourselves to fellowshipping and breaking of bread together. Who breaks bread together? Families. This is what families do. This is family speak. So there's an equal blessing in the fellowship, that's why, like, half, well, let me, say that, let me say it this way. Half of your church experience, experience should be relational. Half of your church experience should be relational. It's teaching and prayer, and then the other two are fellowshipping and breaking of bread together. That's why we have revival groups. But do you see fellowshipping and breaking of bread as spiritual? Do you see that as spiritual? Because how you see something will determine what you receive from it. Let me say that again. How you see something 
will determine what you receive from it. So if, if you see fellowshipping and breaking of, of bread together as spiritual, you can receive a spiritual blessing from it. If you just, if you just don't think of it as spiritual, you're not going to receive the spiritual blessing that God has intended for you to receive in community. Amen? You guys are a little quiet today. Somebody just start hollering. Allah. How you see something will determine what you receive from it. The Lord's challenging me in that right now. He's like, I need you to see this thing and this other thing in a different way because you're not receiving what I want you to receive out of it. You're not valuing it like I need you to value it because of how you see it. How you see something will determine how much you value it. So sometimes we need to change our perspective. Like this is a good example of just like, okay, I want to see greeting time as a, as a chance to receive something from the Lord spiritually. I want to see revival group as a chance to be in community in a way that's going to bless my spirit and give, and there's a spiritual benefit. Because of how people saw Jesus in his hometown, it limited the blessing that they could receive from him. Do you think Jesus is limited? See, I don't think I don't think that he was limited by what he could do. I think they were limited in what they could receive because of how they saw him. How we see something will determine what we can receive from it. So we need to kind of flip the script on what we think of church. Um, I'm not knocking church. I love the church. I, I love Jesus. I love the church. And I... I had great experiences growing up in church and some that weren't great, but I love the church and I'm not trying to knock the church, but traditionally what we've seen is an overemphasis on, or maybe not an overemphasis, but a big emphasis on prayer and on the uh, apostles' teaching and we've seen underemphasis of fellowshipping and breaking of bread together and doing family together. The Lord told us that this church is to be built on family and that's the only structure that can hold what he wants to do. So fellowshipping is super important in our church. Breaking of bread together, making relationships, it's super important in this church. I want to talk to you about forgiveness for a second. It's so important to walk in forgiveness. We need to walk in forgiveness towards each other. Now, how many understand that forgiveness doesn't mean that we don't have and keep healthy boundaries? We get that, right? There, there might be people that have unhealthy habits that I, I can completely forgive them, but I may, I may need to still have some boundaries with them. How many know boundaries are loving? Boundaries are loving because you're actually giving them parameters and you're speaking the truth in love like, hey, I love you, I forgive you, I have nothing against you, but I need to have this boundary as long as you're dealing with this issue. It's loving because it gives them something like, okay, if I want to connect with this person, I need to look at this issue seriously in my life. That's called speaking the truth in love, challenging people to come higher. We do it in love. So forgiveness doesn't mean that we don't keep healthy boundaries. I, I know that always needs to be said because some people immediately when you say forgiveness are like, well, I can't like have this person in my life. They're destructive. Like that's not what I'm saying. 
forgiveness is what I'm saying. You can forgive someone and still have a boundary. If we have unforgiveness towards someone, and, and you know, that was one example of like someone with, with issues, but it may, be, may not be someone that has issues in their life. It may just be someone that um, you just need to forgive. They said something that hurt you or they did something, and we all have experienced that. And so if we are not able to forgive, we're talking about honoring people gives us access to the blessing and the anointing that's on their life. When we're not able to forgive, it actually keeps us from receiving the, the blessing and the anointing that's on their life. Unforgiveness, this is a big one. Unforgiveness is also a wide open door to the enemy. There's only a few ways that we can open the door wide to the enemy, and unforgiveness is a big one. So we want to make sure that door is closed. And we want to live with an open heart and be able to receive from people. We've all been hurt. I'm not trying to diminish what someone has done to you. But we have the power to forgive because we've been forgiven. I had a hard time forgiving someone. This was years ago. And when I would go to the Lord and I'd be like, Lord, I need help to forgive this person. And I remember one of the things is I started doing, I don't know if this was the Lord or not, but I started doing this. I was like, I just want to think about every single thing I've ever done that God has forgiven me from. <laughs> and then I weighed it with what that person had done to me. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, God, I'm like, you, you did a massive overpayment. Like, you forgave me so much. How can I not forgive this thing? Angela Snow in her message a couple of weeks ago, she said something amazing. Actually, Joy said it in worship. She said, the truest thing about you is that you're loved by God. So your identity is this, loved. Loved, that's your identity. And because you're loved, you've been forgiven, and that's also part of your identity, forgiven. We need a t-shirt. This is my identity, and on the back it can say, loved and forgiven. Somebody get on that. Your identity is loved and forgiven. Because part of your identity is forgiven, radically forgiven. Jesus did a radical overpayment, enough for everything you'll ever do in your life and then some. Because your identity is forgiven, you have the ability and the power to forgive. God wouldn't ask you to do something that you couldn't do. And he radically overpaid your account so that you have the ability to forgive. I want to share this story with you. How many have heard of Corey Ten Boom? First of all, it's just a great name. Her middle name's Ten, and her last name's Boom. She's like, wow, Boom. Nice to meet you, Miss, Mrs. Boom. That's amazing. Corey Ten Boom. I'm going to read uh, this short article about something that happened in her life. So she lived during the Second World War. And she assisted in hiding Jewish people from, from the Nazis and even hid seven Jews in her own home. She was eventually found out, and her whole family was sent to a concentration camp. The day that she was sent to a concentration camp was the last day she saw her whole family ever, except for her sister, who she watched slowly die in front of her eyes in the concentration camp. 
So she actually survived, and she was the only one in her family that did. And several years later, she was preaching in Germany, and a man who was a former Nazi guard came up to her after her message to ask her for forgiveness for his part in the acts of the, of the Nazis. Okay, here's the kicker. He didn't recognize her, but she recognized him. He was actually one of the guards in the concentration camp where she and her sister was in. She actually witnessed him do violence against her sister. So, so if you like need a face of who to forgive, this is it. He came up to her and asked her to forgive him. He didn't recognize her. As he reached out his hand to her, this is an excerpt from uh, Corey herself on the account. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk, he was saying. I was a guard in there. No, he did not remember me. I know that God has, the, has forgiven me for the cruel things that I did there, but I would like to hear it from your lips as well, Fraulein. His hand came out to her. Will you forgive me? And I stood there, I whose sins had every day to be forgiven, and I could not. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply by asking? It could not have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out, but to me it seemed like hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing that I ever had to do. For I had to do it, I knew that. The message that God for, God's forgiveness has a prior condition, that we forgive those who have injured us. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, Jesus says, neither will, I for, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. And still I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart, but forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that. Forgiveness is an act of the will, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our hands, and then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hand, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. This is a quote from her. She says, you have never touched so the ocean of God's love as that when you forgive your enemies. God gives us the power to forgive even the most difficult circumstances. If Jesus can forgive the men who put him on the cross, if he can forgive his torment, tormentors, his torturers, if he can be on the cross and say, Father, forgive them, then we can forgive. If this 
woman, Corey Ten Boom, if she can forgive this man who she witnessed and was a huge part in, in the death of her sister, we can forgive. God gives us the power to forgive, and, and forgiveness is an act of the will. Sometimes your heart's not going to want to do it, your heart's not going to feel it, and, you, and I remember I went through a period with, with the person that I was forgiving, and I said, as an act of my will, I choose to forgive this person. And it took a while for my heart to catch up. And one day my heart caught up. I was like, whoa, my heart caught up. I've actually for fully forgiven them with my whole heart. God gives us the power to forgive. All right, I want to shift gears slightly and talk about family relationships. I'm talking about moms, dads, siblings, children, and spouses. So Danny Silk in the Relationship 101 course that we just went through in our revival group, he says that the goal of marriage needs to be connection. The goal of marriage is connection. And to some extent, this is true about all of our relationships. So in your relationships, is your goal connection or is your goal self-protection? One of the things that I'm working on in my life is lowering my self-protection with everyone, including my wife. So two things happen when you have the goal of self-protection around people. Number one, it keeps you from having a meaningful connection with others. Number two is we're trusting in ourself for protection instead of trusting in God to protect us. So this is what happens when we're in relationships and we have the goal of like distance, like I'm going to protect myself. I'm not going to allow you to hurt me. We're putting our trust in ourselves, our, our own ability to protect ourselves, and we're also blocking out the blessing of that person. Like I was talking about earlier, like everybody has a blessing that's inside of them that we can access, but we have to lower, down, lower our guard down. So is your goal in relationships connection or self-protection? Now, in some relationships, again, this is going to include boundaries. But we need to have the goal of connection. So what can we do to lower our self-protection? I know a lot, of, a lot of you, as I'm even talking about this, you're like, I, I, I would like to do that. I just don't know how. Like, how, how do we do that? What do, we, what do we do to lower our self-protection in our life? I'm going to keep you in suspense for a while. Well, it requires risk. Relationships are risky. And we will sometimes get hurt. But the joy of connection... And the joy of living with an open heart is well worth the risk. The joy of connection, the joy of just living with an open heart. God, I want to live with an open heart. I'm going to risk. I trust in you to protect me. I trust if I get hurt, then I'm going to be able to process with you that you're going to walk me through it. But I'm not going to close down my heart and miss out the blessing of each person here and what God's put inside of them. I'm not going to close down my heart and not be able to give the blessing that God's placed inside of me. It requires risk. I wish I had an easier answer. 
but it requires risk. We have to step out. If you want a great example of what it looks like to live without self-protection, just read the Gospels. Jesus is a great example of this. Lived with an open heart without self-protection. He really put himself out there. Think of the story of the woman at the well. You can't put yourself out there any more than he did in that story. This was a Jew and a Samaritan. They didn't have any dealings with each other. This was a man and a woman that wasn't even appropriate to speak to a woman that was by herself. And he asks her for something. He says, give me something. This is, this is really powerful. He actually is vulnerable enough to actually say, I need help from you and ask her for something. He way put himself out there with the woman at the well. And she could have rejected him. She totally could have rejected him. But he was actually trying to connect to her. That's a story. Go back and read that story and think of, think of it in this context. This is a story about connection. He's like, I am trying to connect with this person and there's all these obstacles. I'm putting myself out there. I'm risking rejection. I'm crossing boundary lines. And she responds to him. See, Jesus loves us with an open heart, and he risks the possibility of rejection with each one of us. He risks rejection by calling people to follow him. He says, follow me. They had the option to say no. I want to be someone who loves people with an open heart, but it requires risk. We encounter this when we share our faith. Sharing your faith requires risk. Why do we share Christ, by the way? Because we want what Christ has done for us, for others. We want people to experience what Jesus has done for us. It's, it's a free gift. It's available to everybody. And so we need to even just look at evangelism as I want people to have what Jesus has given me. And all we need to do is share our story. This is what Jesus, <clears throat> excuse me, this is what Jesus did for me. But it requires risk. How many know that vulnerability is a gift that you give someone? So every time you're vulnerable with someone, you're giving them a gift. They could reject your gift. It requires risk. We share our faith with other people because we, their identity can also be loved and forgiven. How many know that the world so desperately wants to be loved and forgiven? And we have that. We have it to give, but we have to risk to share what we have. Amen. When we risk, it's an act of faith. One of the things they say at Bethel is, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Risking is an act of faith. It actually requires faith to risk in relationships. 
requires faith. Do you know that when you extend your friendship to someone, you're exercising your faith? You're risking, you're actually activating faith in your life. I'm gonna, I'm gonna live open-hearted. I'm going to pursue friendships with people regardless of if people wanna be my friend or not. That's a risk and that's also a step of faith. When you give someone a prophetic word, you're exercising your faith, you're taking a risk. When you share your story with someone, you're exercising your faith. So how do we work towards lowering self-protection in our lives? Risk. We have to risk. It requires risk. Risk loving people. Risk making friends. Risk helping people. Risk giving of yourself, giving of your time, risk giving of your finances, risk sharing your faith. And when you get hurt, process it with the Lord and be touched by the ocean of God's love because he loves when you exercise your faith by taking risk. He loves that. Faith moves God's heart. Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. Faith moves his heart. So if we want to live open-hearted, if we want to access the blessing that's inside of each other, if we want the blessing that's inside of us to be able to come out, it requires living with an open heart and taking risk. And so I want to just challenge you to look at the areas of your life where maybe you're self-protecting. And I want to challenge you to take a risk. Risk making a friend. Risk asking for help. Risk starting to give. If you're not a giver and you're just like, well, that's a risk. I want to challenge you to risk. I love Bill Johnson. Uh, was it Chris Valentin? Yeah, it was Chris Valentin. When Chris Valentin first got saved, he wasn't tithing. And I think after a few months, Bill said, hey, I'm going to challenge you to start tithing. And if God doesn't absolutely change your life, he said, try it for, I think it was two months or three months. He said, try it. And if God doesn't change your month and in, in to the end of that period, I'll give you all the money back and I'll never ask you to tithe again. And he's like, I started to give and my life radically changed. He's like, I've, I've never stopped giving since. But it requires risk. So I want to challenge you to risk. If we're going to be the family that God's called us to be, we're going to have to put ourselves out there. We're going to have to live with the open heart. We're going to have to look at those wounds. We're going to have to be able to take those to the Lord and let him bring healing so that we can risk and step out. Okay, I'd like to have Tina come forward and Angela. And also, um, Karen, could you come forward too? Karen Butler. Where's Karen? So as I said, we're going to pray a, a special blessing. Each one of us is just going to pray a minute or two minutes. We're just going to pray a corporate blessing over this church for us to be connected as a family in deeper and deeper ways. And then after that, I'm going to have family stand, and we're going to, uh, the four of us are going to walk around and just pray for families. And if you're here by yourself, we will pray for you too. And we'll pray for your family that's, that's in your life. Amen. All right. Um, being uh, Memorial Day, I want to take a moment to lift up 
the families um, of individuals who've sacrificed for us. So we just, um, we just bless them today, God, and we remember and honor their sacrifice, God. And we treasure, Father, the freedom that they died for and that they sacrificed for. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord. We remember them and we bless their families today. I also want to pray for Uvalde, Texas. Um, such a heart-shattering moment for those families and for our nation. And uh, Father, Father, I know you are well able to put hearts back together, Lord God. And I ask you, God, just to be with them every step of the journey and hold them close, God, and draw them into your bosom. I pray that they would know that they know that they know that you are with them in spite of the tragedy, Father, that they have faced, God. We bless the town, Father. We bless the town. And we bless our nation, God, to wake up to your heartbeat. We bless, Lord God, young men, to be fully connected to loved ones and friends and all of the support system they need. We bless, Father, their mandate to be masculine. We ask you, Father, to restore the powerful dance in men's lives in this country, God. We honor fathers and men today, God. And we ask for a restoration of their honor in our nation. And we pray for the shooter, God. His family, God. We pray for his family, God. And we pray, Father God, that there would be prescriptions for pain in our lives, God. And that we as a church could rise up with strategies and solutions and love and into the fullness of the light that you have given us to be answers and love towards those who have felt left out. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 
And Father, as we come upon summer, God, we thank you for all the amazing opportunities families have during the summer. Uh, we pray and ask you for a greater grace to be fully present for each other this summer, God. For each other. And you've just put <laughs> watermelon on my heart. <laughs> um, you know, sometimes watermelon's really heavy to bring home. Right? It's a little bit of a challenge, especially for those of us who are increasing in years. And we have to cut through the green to get to the goodness. So, Father, make us um, willing and able uh, to cut through the uncomfortability. Uh, and receive the goodness that each one has to offer. The rich, sweet fruit that was bought with the blood of Jesus. Help us to savor that unique and transformative aspect of people's identities into our lives. And help us to savor it. And Father, now we, we, there are seeds, God. There are seeds of condemnation and accusation. And help us to know that as easy it is, as it is to push aside a seed or to spit it out, that's what we have the power to do with accusation and condemnation because it doesn't belong with the goodness. And we ask you, Father, to make the transition between you and I and you and everyone in here a seamless one where we would not recognize where you end and we begin. And then grow us up to be those watermelons that don't have any seeds. We don't have condemnation or unforgiveness or accusation for each other, God. But we can fully feast. Fully feast. Fully feast with you, with you, with you, and with others, God, and enjoy the rich goodness of the fruit that you intend to bring. We just thank you and praise you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Yeah, Lord, I just um, ask you to help us to be courageous with one another, Help us to um, connect our hearts with one another um, and, and not feeling like we have to have our, uh, like it needs to be our best day to be with someone, that we can bring our sadnesses and our joys at the same time and just come as we are for one another and be who we really are, to not hide 
if we're having a bad day, if we've got pain, if, we've, um, if we're struggling with something, God, help us to just be real and to just bring that thing um, to the table and offer our true heart and not put a mask over our heart and try to pretend that we're something that we're not God. We just ask you to help us, Lord, to be who we really are and to trust the other person that they're gonna welcome us even if we have pain. They're gonna welcome our heart and they're gonna want to, to know us and they're gonna want to connect with us, God. And Lord, we thank you for an increase in grace. Um, grace that we give and grace that we receive, Lord God. We thank you for a blessing on communication and taking risks to communicate, Lord. We thank you for safe places for our hearts, Lord God. We thank you for kingdom families on earth, Lord God. We thank you for giving us the guidebook. We thank you for an increase in love and joy in our families. We thank you for laughter, Lord God. And Father, I pray for those who are feeling disconnected from their family. I pray for those who have experienced physical loss, Lord, loss of family member or members. We invite your grace and your mercy and your love, your authenticity, Lord God. We thank you that your heart grieves with those who grieve, Lord God. And we bless you, Lord. Yeah, Father, I just pray that you're connecting us together like never before. I pray that we're, we have the strength to lower our self-defense and to risk relationship, to risk loving people, to risk receiving love. I just pray for this to be such a connected family. I pray for us to have the power and the strength to forgive with the whole heart. I just bless your spirits to be able to forgive those people. Even as I was preaching today, some people came to mind. And I just bless your spirit to be able to rise up and forgive that person. So we thank you, Jesus. I bless this congregation. In Jesus' name. Amen.